Hello, and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the index packet forensic files with your host, Michael Morris. This episode's very special guest is Caitlin Sarin, CEO of Cybersecurity Girl and former TikTok global lead of cybersecurity advocacy and culture. Caitlin, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and thank you for joining. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. And yes, I'm very excited for, for this episode. Um, a little bit about myself. I was never ever thinking I was going to go into cybersecurity. I don't think I even knew what cybersecurity was up until 10 years ago. Um, and that was one of the things that kind of inspired me to make this channel. But I did aerospace mechanical engineering in undergrad and grad school. And I kind of just stumbled upon cybersecurity um, when I was going through job applications. I wanted to be a tech consultant. And someone I was interviewing with had asked me if I ever considered cyber. And I originally said, you know, no, I didn't even know I could do that with my degree. Um, and to be honest, I was always terrible at coding. Like we had to take coding and, and university and I was not good at it. So I never thought I was going to be good, but I figured I'd give it a shot and try it. I loved learning. And, um, you know, the rest is history. I've specialized in data protection and privacy. I lived in London for a few years. I, I've loved every second of it. But a few years ago, I really wanted to give back to the community and, um, you know, I wanted to create a TikTok account, but I wanted it to be for good. And the reason why, and so I decided to, to make a cybersecurity channel because I felt like a lot of people were discouraged from going into cybersecurity because they felt like they needed to know how to code or be some freaky genius. And I am neither of those. I do not know how to code and I don't know how to code anymore. And I am definitely not a freaky genius. So, um, yeah, I wanted to break down those those stigmas and then it just kind of started and it it apparently resonated with a lot of people because it's it's going really well and it allowed me to create my my own company which is what you said Cybersecurity Girl LLC so super happy to be here and to dive dive in a little bit deeper. Oh, we we love it. Actually that's that's how I found you. I, I told you my kids got me on TikTok and uh, I started seeing some of your your episodes um really great in in encouraging people you know how to do data protection and things like that. So what inspired you to kind of make that shift, right? And what pivotal moments shaped your journey into this field? Yeah, so like I said, I, I started cybersecurity from literally square one, staff one at, at Ernst & Young. Um, they've taught me everything I knew. And I did cybersecurity transformation projects, like large-scale cyber yeah. transformation projects. And then I started specializing in data privacy and protection. Um, you know, as I got older, I, you know, kind of finished climbing that ladder the corporate ladder. I got there pretty fast too, because I am a very hard worker. Um, and I got there and I was like, okay, well now what? I'm where I've always wanted to be and what else am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. And so again, I wanted to start a TikTok channel. It was right when TikTok had decided to move over to the US and I felt more comfortable from a data privacy side to, to join the app. Um, and I was kind of racking my brain because I've always really wanted to inspire more women into STEM and tech fields because um, to be honest, it took a lot for me to even go into engineering because it was, mm. I mean, I was a mechanical, so there was only 5% women in engineering. So originally I was thinking about doing this channel, just women in STEM. And then I really realized that I would always get questions whenever I told people what I did, which was, you know, cybersecurity. And no one knew what it was. They all thought, you know, I was going to hack their phone. That was pretty much every comment. It was like, oh my gosh, are you going to hack my Wi-Fi? Are you hacking my phone? I'm like, that's not what everyone does. You know, that's just only in the movies. So I really was inspired to, to start educating the public. And then as that journey progressed, obviously it kept getting bigger and bigger. But what I realized is that a lot of people need help with understanding 
um, you know, how to protect themselves online. So originally it was more for getting people into the cybersecurity field as a career. And then it started uh, transitioning. I do both now where I'm trying to educate the public, the general public on like what they can do to protect themselves online, to protect their data, how they can create accounts um, securely. So I'm, I love both aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's crazy to me because I started realizing about a year ago that, you know, we're given technology at such a young age that we're never taught. It's kind of like taxes. We're never taught how to do it. So I am hoping to be that that one person that everyone goes to when they have questions or comments or concerns about how they can be safe and also the person that inspires and educates other people to get into the STEM fields, both technical and non-technical. Uh, that's a great analogy of taxes, but nobody teaches it. Um, and as you know, in the corporate field, right, we're, there's more and more training of cybersecurity is everyone's problem, not just the 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 CISO and the you know the security teams. So, uh, aspiring in, individuals that I talk to often wonder what necessary skills for a career in cybersecurity are. Uh, what technical and non-technical skills would you highlight as really essential in this industry? Yeah, so this is a question that I I always give an answer to, and people aren't like the happiest. But I honestly think there's only two skills that you need. Um, and then depending on obviously what area you get into, you're going to need more. But it's a love of learning and a, a, a ability to problem solve. So um, those, as long as you have those two things, uh, you can pretty much get into any area because with those two, you can build the skills and the, that you need for either technical or non-technical areas of cybersecurity. I think that's the, the issue that I see today is that everyone thinks Cybersecurity is what you see on in the news and on you know television shows where it's just hackers in a black um, hoodie hacking into systems, which that is a big part of it. But I honestly think it's 50-50. Um, I think 50% of it is the non-technical route. We're going to need um, you know lawyers for privacy. We're going to need um, psychologists to really get into the hacker's mind. We need every we need a full team, just like we need diversity in the STEM fields because we have different aspects in. Um, yeah, like experiences that we bring to the table, we need that in the, sa- the same way for cybersecurity. Um, so I, I just think everyone, the only two skills that you really need are a, a problem, love of problem solving and a love of learning. So once you get that, then it really depends. And I want to say this again, cybersecurity is not just like, you know, hacking or it's not just, you know, one thing. So you, but in order to get into the cybersecurity field, you need to understand what area to get into. Cybersecurity is a very broad blanket statement. It's like you're saying you're going to get into sciences or saying you're getting going to get into engineering. But there's so many different areas of science. There's so many different areas of engineering, and they all require different skill sets. And so you can't just jump in saying, hey, I want to be a cybersecurity professional. You have to understand what area that you want to get into, especially nowadays, because you're going to need specific skills for every type of team that you want to get into. No, I, I think those are great points. I, I mean, we, we use the analogy with our business a lot, um, helping put the puzzle pieces together, right, uh, of different indicators of compromise and potential threats. Uh, and so I think that problem solving, you nailed it, is is really an important piece. And another example, we often think a lot of, as you know, threats today are social engineering, right, which is, again, more of the psychology and uh, human side of things. So. Um, for somebody uh, thinking of transitioning into cybersecurity from a different background to industry, what would be some advice or thoughts you would give them? Yeah. So the first thing is 
um, understand what area you want to get into. So I would take a few like very intro courses. And when you take these intro courses, um, take them with a grain of salt because there's so many intro courses that have popped up. I actually have one that I offer that shows like all different areas of cybersecurity, but there are a lot of intro courses that are kind of one-sided. So um, if you go on my page, I do recommend a few of them, uh, but just make sure that you're kind of getting the whole spectrum of all the different areas of cybersecurity you can get into. And then, yeah, see, like take a few more specialized classes in that area. There's so many free um, courses online, whether that's LinkedIn Learning, Udemy, Coursera, Cybrary. I think Google has learning classes now. So um, definitely don't pay for anything until you understand what area you want to get into. Um, just because it's such a hot topic right now and there's there's a lot of people taking advantage of that. So I want to make sure that people are not just like signing up to sign up, but they, they really are um, being specific in what area they want to get into and the skills that are need, they need for that. So um, if you're thinking about it, I definitely think take an intro course first, see if anything kind of piques your interest and also don't come in it just for money. I think there's a few people that, that do that too. We're like, oh my gosh, you get a lot of money. Um, and I think you will always get a lot of money if you're passionate about what you do, no matter what it is. So um, if you're not passionate about cybersecurity, you're probably not going to do well, because like I said, you need a love of learning in order for you to keep up in the industry. Um, so make sure that you actually are interested in it when you take that intro course and then figure out what area you want to get into from there. Uh, that's some great feedback. And I agree with you. There's a lot of people trying to prey on people and what what's needed and, you know, Think about it and evaluate it before you look. So we'll definitely have to refer people to your page. So with the rapid evolution of technology, um, how important is it for continuous learning and staying ahead in the cybersecurity field? And how do you keep up with the latest trends and developments? Yeah, that I mean, it's extremely important. Like I said, that's like the number one skill I think people need to have is like a love of learning and a love of continuous learning. Because if you, you know, specialize in something a few years ago, you probably are outdated now and your skills are not needed. Um, and so you have to just constantly grow and evolve. And I actually think that's the biggest selling point of this industry because mm -hmm. there's no other industries like that. Um, and so you have to keep learning. But yeah, I just, I I mean, I for me, I personally like, subscribe to Google um, and Google News Alerts. So anytime there it says data breach, anytime it says like privacy, cybersecurity, and the cybersecurity incident, I get those because for me, my job now is educating public on that. So mm -hmm. whatever your industry is, I highly suggest doing like news alerts. Um, there's also a lot of amazing newsletters that you can sign up for, um, whether they're free newsletters or you know monthly subscriptions. And actually, stay tuned because I will be having a monthly newsletter soon. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool places that you can get news. I know a lot of people get it from Twitter. A lot of people get it from Reddit. And then um, even LinkedIn. I, I stay pretty up to date on LinkedIn as well. But mm -hmm. I think the most yeah the most popular ones are probably like the Reddit and Twitter for like the most up to date like live. Um, news. And then I obviously do Google and I kind of look at my Google news alerts every morning to see what I've missed. No, uh, there's, and there's always something in the news, right? There's always yeah. something happening. So how do you, how do you do it? Uh, you same thing. I mean, I follow a lot of the social as well. Um, you know, obviously part of what I, my focus is, is I work with a lot of the leading security vendors like Cisco, Palo Alto, Fortinet, um, some of the big players in the space. So I also subscribe to some of their, um, you know, get CVE announcements. 
yeah. of the latest breaches and and uh, security holes. So uh, those are some some ways. But you nailed it. You got to stay on top of the news for sure. Which a lot of young people don't watch the news like you know folks used to. So. I don't watch the news. I don't have time to watch all of it. And it's also really <laughs> depressing. So the way I it like is. am able to filter for what I need to see is yeah. that those Google news alerts or whatever news alerts. And then the other thing I just remembered while you were talking is if you're involved in a, a group like I'm in, in, you know, IAPP, International Association of Privacy Professionals, there's, you know, ISC squared. A lot of those groups have like newsletters and like weekly or monthly meetings. Um, you can get stuff from there as well, but those are probably a lot slower of a, a way to get up to date stuff, but you're still able to have that community of people where you can discuss any potential issues as well. So no, well, you you jog my memory. One of the forums I'm on on LinkedIn is cybersecurity forum. Um, yeah. and so a lot of industry people talk to that that forum as as an example. Yeah. So can you shed some light on different paths? I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier within cybersecurity, but you know, there's things called ethical hacking, network security, cybersecurity analysis. How does one decide which specialization to pursue? And can you give some light on some of the differences? Yeah, so it's super hard. I mean, obviously, I like to I like to say like the coding routes, like the more technical route, and there's a lot of like, you know, network architecture, security architecture, all that stuff. Um, uh, access management, which I think is on the verge of the non-technical and technical, in my personal opinion. Um, you know, there's GRC, which is definitely not technical, but you do need to understand skills. Um, every single area of cybersecurity has its own unique skill set, in my personal opinion. Mm. Um, and then also in that, to make it more complicated, every company has a different way of defining the areas of cybersecurity. Yes. There's not really a distinct way. I mean, there are some, you know, international standards and national standards, like we have NIST and ISO 2701, but uh, still companies have completely different ways of defining it. So it's pretty hard for me to put like, in a, like exactly like the right words, but for me, I define it with two separate things. One's technical and one's non-technical. One is pretty heavily code dependent, like, attack and pen testing um, and yes. all that stuff, which is great. Um, I'm working on also hopefully in the next couple of months to build, a, I'm already starting to build a kind of questionnaire for people to take so they can understand from the skill sets they have and what they want to do, what area of cybersecurity they can get into because no one really has that right now. But again, it's a little bit difficult because like I said, everyone has different definitions mm -hmm. of cybersecurity areas and then different skill sets. So for example, if you're working at an app startup, you're going to need a different skill set for network security as you would be for if you're working at a large company like Cisco. So, you know, there's so many different ways of of slicing and dicing which yeah. makes makes it a little bit more complicated. Um, but that's what I that's why I always say like try to really understand what you want to specialize in and I think once you're in, in my personal opinion, it's a lot easier to move around and learn new skills and transfer and kind of shadow someone else on a different team. You just have to get in. You have to get your foot in the door and you have to get like that real life experience. And then if you you know, do it a year and you're like, this is not what I want. I want to do whatever. You'll have those teams where you can actually see in, you know, in your company what you want to do. So get your foot in the door and then see where you want to go from there. No, it's great insight. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I just look at my career. It's evolved. I was more in the network operations side when I started. I was in software development. So my background is more coding. 
um, but it, it's evolved and you can you can take a lot of different paths and uh, kind of create your own path in some some organizations. So what are some misconceptions or myths uh, about working in cybersecurity that you frequently encounter and how would you debunk them? Yeah. So one of them is always that you have to know how to code. And I tell this to everyone, like I said at the beginning, I was terrible at coding. I took two semesters and it was the worst class, not in physics, um, which is weird because I was an engineer. Um, and I have not used code at all. I haven't even analyzed a piece of code since I started my cybersecurity career 10 years ago. So that is number one and that's one of the reasons why i started this channel because i was like no i don't even do that like it's not even close to what i do um and then the other thing is that you have to be like a freaky genius and i the only reason i also think uh, being smart is kind of like beauties in the eye of the beholder like i think people are super smart when they're really good at like languages or english because even though english is my first and only language i am still terrible at it so <laughs> my grammar is not the best I've, I've learned a lot, but yeah. So I think being smart is, you know, you always want what you can't have. You always see what you don't have as, you know, the epicenter, but like, it's really, you don't need all these crazy skills. You don't need to be some 16 year old hacking the US government in order for you to get in. Um, a lot of people think that you have to know math and I wish we had to use math. I loved math. I made double majored and I have never used math at all. Um, so I've lost a lot of my math skills, unfortunately. Um, yeah, those are like probably the top. Oh, then a university degree. Um, I think this is a up for debate. I I don't personally, I obviously love my degree, but I have not used any part of it. The only thing that I've learned was the soft skills that I learned from my right. extracurriculars and my jobs outside of school. I also did aerospace mechanical. So, I mean, I, I already had a love of problem solving. So I kind of learned how to like mm -hmm. figure figure that out. So I guess you could say that, but I don't think right now there's so many free courses. There's so many boot camps. If you know the area that you want to get into, you will be able to find courses and really be specific and mindful of yeah. when you're studying that and get those specific skills. You also can volunteer. Like I actually have, um, you know, unpaid interns that are starting with me that wanted to just learn how to, mm -hmm. you know, be in cybersecurity and you can get skills for that. And then go off on your merry way and, you know, get a job from there. But you do not, in my personal opinion, and like even with the coding background, you don't, you can learn all that online. Yes, it might be a little bit easier, um, but we're, we've been working a lot with companies that are to, to try to convince them to stray away from mandating a university degree, especially for cybersecurity. So I don't think that's needed as well. That's another myth in my personal opinion. And I actually know a lot of large companies that don't um, require that as well. So. No, you, you actually, you beat me to it. My question was really around um, some individuals I talked to are concerned about what necessary educational backgrounds or certifications. And and I was going to ask you, you know, what are some of your thoughts on the importance of formal ed versus practical experience versus certifications? Is there some certifications? I mean, like we work with SANS a lot. Uh, and mm -hmm. I know the SANS Institute has a number of really good, uh, some short, some a little bit longer certifications. Uh, and you get those and you can get in the door in a lot of places. So is there anything that stands out to you that really hits home? Yeah. So I, a lot of people are like, oh, security plus. And I think that's a great foundation, but now everyone's getting their security to plus. And again, it's not specialized enough. So unless you're trying to be like a cybersecurity analyst, like it does help. And it shows that you do have the foundation. 
Um, but it, it, again, in terms of like being specialized, like if you want to be a, an attack and pen, like a security plus isn't going to get you anywhere. So you have to take the certifications depending on what area you want to get into. Like if you want to get into data privacy, data protection, I would strongly suggest you take the CIPT or CIPP, which is, you know, the international privacy professionals um, certification. There's so many different ones, like especially for coding and like there's all the hack the box trainings and all of that, you know, whatever it is, but it, you need to get training spe specific to the area that you want to get into. Right. And I know it's kind of a daunting task to figure out, okay, what area do I get into when I don't even know what cybersecurity is? That's why I always say, try to find like multiple intro, intro courses and figure out what area and then Google like the best certifications for that course. For my intro course, I actually tell you the certifications for each area and the skills that you might need and what a day in the life looks like, because I just felt like it's not really said. Um, but yeah, there's specific certifications that you should take for different areas. But I think a blanket statement, if you're just trying to get the general overview, Security Plus is a good place to start as well. Okay. But it doesn't get you a job. That definitely doesn't guarantee a job. <laughs> no, no. Rarely does one certification do that. So no, but great input. Yeah. So, uh, Caitlin, my last question, uh, diversity and inclusivity are crucial in any, in any industry. What initiatives or changes do you think are necessary to encourage more diversity within the cybersecurity field, particularly to encourage uh, women and minorities to get into this industry? Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of research on this. This is one of my passion projects. So I think from the start, like if if girls are interested in science and, and math and engineering, mm -hmm. like keep, keep encouraging them and inspiring them. My parents did a great job with that. They were like, do engineering. And I was like, no, because <laughs> uh, I didn't, I literally thought a mechanical engineer was like a car mechanic. I'm, I'm not even joking, <laughs> even in high school. Like I literally thought that's what it was. Um, clearly I was uneducated at that point in time. But uh, yeah, so I think it just, if they're interested in that, kind of show them mm -hmm. examples of what they could be or who they could look like in the future. So have good role models set for these kids. But I think also the issue actually comes, there's a lot more women going in and like diversity going into it. And then graduating, they are there for a few years in and then they kind of drop off. So there's the stats actually show that we've done a really good job of mentoring and, you know, getting the women into the field and the diversity into the field. But stats actually start dropping off as, you know, women start having kids and families. And I think there's a lack of role models and a lack of um, company acceptance and maybe flexibility for potentially like new moms. Uh, I think it just gets discouraging for a lot of women and for diversity because they just aren't seeing someone like them out and uh, or like, you know, in a leadership role. Right. Um, so I think that's like the next step and the most important step is really being able to foster uh culture where you show diversity in all you know areas of your your company and then that way you can actually see yourself in that role because if you don't see yourself in like a role above you it really is disheartening for people because they don't believe that they can make it either and then also like for me that's what i was really discouraged when i first started i was like i don't see any women that are mothers that are like a partner here and I started seeing them eventually, but I was really discouraged the first like year or so until I started kind of forcing myself to meet people. So I think just one, letting your kids pursue their passions and telling mm -hmm. them that they're on the right track and showing them who they can be and what they can do. I think that's the coolest thing ever is like, I had no idea what I could do as an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I got to college where I was seeing all these 
opportunities open up. And then from there, as you know, as a corporate com- company, like really show diversity at all mm-hmm. levels and and inclusion at all levels. Um, so whether that's having, you know, the small groups of diversity, um, different yeah, different mentorship opportunities, just being able. To, I think mentorship that's the other thing, that's the biggest thing. Mentorship is a huge mm-hmm. thing as well. So like I have a mentor. I have a few mentors, but one is Anne and the other is Danielle, and they're both amazing. And they've really shown me that you can have a family, you can have kids and you can be successful and you can, you know, live a, an a amazing life while you're working. So mentorship is also a really big thing. Uh, those are some great answers. And I, I think, you know, obviously having people like you in, in your role uh, to really promote it is, is making a difference as well. So certainly thank you for that. Caitlin, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us and share your tremendous insights. In, into better secure networks. We'd ask our listeners to tune in next time for another edition of the Endace Packet Forensic Files. For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with our fusion technology partners, please go to endace.com. And Caitlin, can you give us the your your page again so that folks can go and get some of your intro security? Yep. Yeah, it's just cybersecurity girl, no space on TikTok, and then cybersecurity underscore girl on Instagram. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you want to plug my LinkedIn too, and you probably will see all my my pages there. But thank you so much for having me, Michael. I really appreciate it. I love talking about stuff like this and hopefully reaching a wider audience as well. So let me know how else we can help. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Really great job. Thank you. Thank you.